Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Okay, so we are on the last talk, the last sermon here from... um, our Gospel Ministry Centre series, this campaign here, as it were, to uh, grow a large vision of Christ and for that to then grow generosity within our hearts as a response to what Jesus has done for us and who he is in our lives. So today I just want us to set the scene again. So imagine this scene as we, as we think about where we're going today. Uh, imagine this, the father stands in the swimming pool and he says to his three-year-old daughter standing on the side, jump, I'm here. I'll catch you. Just jump in. What does a little girl do? Well, she takes some time. Uh, she summons up the courage. She grits her teeth a little bit with a nervous look on her face. And then she jumps into her father's arms. What have we asked that little girl to do? Sure, we've asked her to jump. But actually, what have we asked that little girl to do? We've asked that little girl to put her faith in her father, that he would catch her. Faith, really, really important. And a really important aspect as we think about the Gospel Ministry Centre today is the response of faith. If you've got your Bibles, please go with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to read just uh, three verses from 23 through to 28. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 23, and going to read down to verse 28. Uh, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict or command. By faith, Moses, when he was grown grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Uh, Lord, thank you. Thank you again for this opportunity and this privilege. God, this privilege to open up your word. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence that lives in us and dwells in with us, within us today as believers in Jesus and disciples of Christ. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've inspired this word, written thousands of years ago and over a period of thousands of years as well by various authors. But this unified word, the Bible, God's word, is one story. It's the story of the glory of God. It's the story of the salvation of mankind who were lost, undone by sin. And in your glorious grace, Lord, you rescued us and you saved us through your Son. So we ask, Holy Spirit, now as we look at this particular passage here on faith, this really important aspect of our Christian life, please open our hearts up, Holy Spirit. See the gift that you've given to us in this faith and how we now exercise this faith by responding to the call of the gospel on our lives. Now, Lord, I ask for your help now, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Okay, so this is the last sermon, the last talk for the, uh, the Gospel Ministry Centre giving campaign as we prepare to mark a very significant change in the life of Exchange Church. Uh, for the last two weeks we've been talking about the centrality of Jesus Christ to grow our hearts in generosity, focusing upon Jesus and what he's done for us. First week we looked at Jesus, our treasure, and how we desire to connect people to Jesus or to connect people with him as that treasure. So we looked at Jesus as our treasure. And second week, last week, we looked at the gospel of Jesus and its central element of maturing us or growing us in Christ, completing us in Christ. That is, connecting people to Jesus. And that is the mission statement of Exchange Church, to connect people to Jesus and to grow people in Christ. It's our vision to see Jesus glorified as people become disciples of him and experience the joy of forgiveness, the joy of relationship, the joy of the gospel that Jesus brings to us. And we have many, many testimonies of that joy in our church. And we are looking forward to many, many more testimonies of that joy as well. But today we're talking about this as the vital next step in the context here of Exchange Church as we seek to get a permanent home to maximise our potential to do this gospel ministry both efficiently and effectively to see more disciples made for Christ and bring glory to his name. So that's the talks we've done for the last couple of weeks. Jesus our treasure and Jesus who grows us and matures us. So what should our response be as required of these talks? Or you might say the short answer is to give, to give financially. And you're right, you're right. But what is to happen before we are giving of our finances? What's to happen before that takes place? We have to believe what we're hearing, don't we? We have to be convinced that this is true, that this is the right course of action. We have to agree that the Gospel Ministry Centre is the next step that we need to take as a church. You see, belief or faith is a critical element of our Christian life. It's a vital part of who we are. It's a vital part of our connection and relationship with God. And faith will be needed for all of us, every single one of us, to take this really important next step here at Exchange Church. Here's our big idea today as we think about that. It's this. Faith... Faith that truly believes God will be demonstrated by actions. Faith that truly believes God will be demonstrated by actions. Okay, Christians are a people of faith. You talk to the people in the world, oh, you're a person of faith. We are known as a faith community. Faith is this wonderful gift that God gives to us and faith is also the thing that we exercise we make use of in our lives to grow. It's a glorious thing God does within us. Have a look at this passage here in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, where Paul actually tells us something very important about faith. He says this in verse 8, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Beautiful passage of scripture. There's the gospel sort of encapsulated just in that alone. It's a work of God. He does this for us and we receive it through faith. It's a gift given to us, but we receive this gift through faith. Faith is incredibly important for us as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Christ. So what is faith? 
Now that's a really big question I've just thrown out there, something we couldn't possibly answer in just a few minutes this morning, but at least let's put some foundations in place what faith is. Is faith just some sort of wishful thinking? Is faith just something that we've made up in our head? Is faith something about the sky fairy up there? Is it something imaginary? Does faith have an object? Important questions. Hebrews 11.1 says this about faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. A really important verse. It doesn't give us the complete definition of faith, but it certainly helps us to begin to form some really good foundational thoughts about what faith is. Faith is the assurance or confidence, or more biblically, the certainty of things hoped for. They're hoped for, but faith is the confidence, assurance, and certainty of those things that are hoped for. It's something that's visible. Faith also says this, faith is also a conviction or belief, again, of the certainty of things that aren't seen. That's what Hebrews 11.1 tells us. And we think about that word conviction there, it's a bit like this, somebody who's got strong convictions really believe in what they believe. That's what conviction is. It's a conviction or it's a belief. You see, this is pointing us in the right direction as we begin to understand what faith is. Faith is something we confidently believe in. Faith is something that we confidently believe in. Think of this for an example here of faith. Because in fact, every single person in this world uses faith. Here's an example of that. When we step onto a train, we believe certain things. You may not think that now, but actually subconsciously you do believe certain things. We believe that that train is designed to travel on the tracks. We believe that the driver who you've never seen is trained and qualified to drive that train. Think about this. When you approach the railway station and you walk up to the train, do you get off and sort of go and inspect all the tracks? Do you get off and sort of walk right around the locomotive and check all the, the chassis to make sure there's no cracks and the bearings are all in place and the electrical wiring's all right? Do you go and knock on the window of the driver's door and say, can you just please show me your licence? I want to make sure you're trained. We don't do that, do we? We actually just entrust ourselves by putting trust into the train, the tracks and the driver. And off we go. This is an example of how we use faith. Now, this may change in a few years' time because I think Melbourne's getting driverless trains. I might draw the line then and say, OK, I'm not getting on that train. I do want to make sure a driver's there, but we use faith. We don't do any of those things as to inspect the driver's licence. We just get on the train and just off we go. There's an example of faith. Christian's faith is exactly the same, except in a whole other dimension. It's not an imaginary faith. It's not a blind faith that some people may say about Christ. It's not blind. No way is it blind. Our faith has an object. Our faith is belief in a person, in who he is and what he says. Our faith is objective. It's not subjective. Ultimately, Christians, disciples of Jesus Christ, we believe God is an objective being, a person. Not something imaginary, but real. 
We believe that God is our eternal creator, that he's sovereign, that he's all-powerful, that he holds all rule and he holds all power. We believe that what God says is true because God is true and he cannot lie. We believe these things about God. We believe God. Here's what R.C. Sproul here says about faith. He gives us a great definition here. It says this. At its roots, this is what faith is. It is not believing in God. It's believing God. The Christian life is about believing God. It is about living by every word that proceeds from his mouth. It is about following him into places where we've never been, into situations that we've never experienced, into countries that we've never seen, because we know who he is. There's a number of people have gone to Afghanistan to take the gospel to that place with putting their life on the line in a, God in a people that they've never seen before, but a people they want to go and share Jesus with. That's what faith is. Because they know who God is and God is with them when they do that. So Christian faith is believing God and taking him in his word with confident assurance without questioning it in any way at all. So this is a small foundation we just built there for faith. Believing God. Now true faith also, it demands a response. That's what faith is. It has to be something that's working in our lives, outworking in our lives through a very practical way. To truly say we believe something, there must be something practically outworking amongst us. Because we have that saying that we're all familiar with, actions speak louder than words. It's one thing to say it, but the actions actually bring more uh, truth or proof to what we believe. You see, it's one thing to say we believe, but it's our response or action that demonstrates this true belief which is not just lip service alone here's how James in his letter sees faith operating in this way read with me James chapter 2 he says this what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works can that faith save him if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them go in peace be warm and filled Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. What's James saying? True, genuine faith will be accompanied by action. Will be accompanied by action. The person in James's passage there doesn't genuinely believe in what he's saying to that poor person who needs food and clothing. What's he do? He says, yes, keep warm and fill your belly. But the person in James's passage doesn't do anything about that. He just walks away. James says, that's a dead faith. It's not a genuine faith. It's a faith that has no actions attesting to its genuineness. You see, work doesn't produce, works don't produce faith. But genuine faith will actually have an outflow of works from our life. Something will be demonstrated visibly through us to indicate the faith that we have. A genuine confession of faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour will result in more than just lip service. Genuine faith will have a direct impact on how we live. Because ultimately words can be really, really cheap. 
actions speak louder than words. Okay, so you're probably wondering, what's happened to Hebrews? We're going to get there now, because this all sets up Hebrews 11 for us as as an example of faith, responding to who God is and what God says. The book of Hebrews is written to a church that is struggling severely under much persecution. In this church, with these people, some of them are growing cold in their devotion to God. Some of them are feeling weak and tired. They've been battling doubts and a whole range of other things, and they're feeling a bit sort of overdone. So the author spends 10 chapters here in Hebrews, the previous 10 chapters before 11, teaching, inspiring and warning them as well about many, many things. And in the last verse, in chapter 10, verse 39, he says this, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. That word faith there is really, really key. Because that word faith there sets up all of the next chapter for when we go through Hebrews chapter 11. And when we move into Hebrews chapter 11 with that sort of great key off there in verse 39 of chapter 10, it's like we move into the hall of fame of Christians who live by faith. But let's not get mistaken here. These are ordinary people. These are not super Christians. These are just ordinary people who truly believe God And then their lives demonstrated a real faith. They're not super Christians. They're ordinary people just like me and just like you. Let's drop down now to Moses and his parents as we think about that. Thinking about Moses firstly, though Moses is seen as the ultimate prophet in Jewish times. So when the writer writes about Moses here to these people struggling who possibly are mainly Jewish, uh, they're actually connecting with him thinking, yeah, we know who Moses is. He is super important. He's to be looked up to as a very true follower of God. Somebody who believed God and also lived life like he truly believed God. Not only said it, but lived it as well. And the example of Moses, as well as the rest of those examples there in Hebrews 11, is meant to inspire and to motivate us. We're meant to look at these ordinary men and women and see what they do and be inspired by their faith demonstrated through actions. To start with though, let's think about his parents, which kicks us off in verse 23 and it says this, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Really important, those two words there, not afraid. Faith isn't passive here. Faith is just not a few trite words spoken around the meal table there in the Moses household. That's not what faith is. At that particular time, Pharaoh meant business. He meant evil business at that particular time. The Israelites were outnumbering the, uh, the uh, Egyptians in population stakes. Uh, they were just blossoming and blooming and just populating like rabbits. So Pharaoh's answer then is to kill all the Jewish baby boys of the Israelite nation. Amran and Jochebed, Moses' parents, are faith-filled. They don't fear Pharaoh's command... They don't sit around the kitchen table there sort of fearing what Pharaoh's doing. They trusted God in this situation. They saw something beautiful about their child, their son, and they weren't going to kill him. They weren't going to be handing him over to be killed. So they hid him for as long as they could. See, they just didn't believe God in that situation. 
they responded with courage in the face of fear. It says back in that verse, they were not afraid of the king's edict or the king's command. Faith, faith is marked by courage in the unknown. Let's look next here when Moses gets introduced to the story and what he does. Prior to this though, the parents do this very daring thing and they do put Moses in a basket on the River Nile, if you're familiar with the story. And this is a beautiful picture of God's providence here working with this. And I'd encourage you to go back to the early chapters of Exodus and read this and you will see God's providence all over that whole situation. Baby Moses is put in this uh, basket and he's floated down the River Nile and Pharaoh's daughter just happens to be nearby and she sees this baby floating in the basket. She rescues the baby. Moses' sister who's nearby sees that and then Pharaoh says, oh, would you come and please look after this baby for me? Like I said, it's just full of God's providence. Moses then is raised here as a prince in the royal family of Egypt. He now lives in the royal family. He lives in the lap of luxury. He's instructed in the finest of schools. He eats gourmet food each and every day. He never has to work another day in his life. He's given the very best of the best. He's given all that Egypt could offer and all of its treasures and pleasures. Moses has servants who are continually following him around and doing anything he requires or asks 24-7. So in the middle of the night when Moses is lying there and things get a bit hot, he just instructs a servant nearby, can you just sort of wave that fan a little bit quicker please because I'm feeling a little bit warm tonight. That's how Moses lives. He's got this dream position in life. Everybody looks at Moses when he travels around Egypt in his shiny sports chariot. Everybody wishes that it was them in that chariot and not Moses. He's got the dream position of life. He's got everything somebody would ever desire or want. But let's look at how faith begins to operate in Moses' life. Look in verse 24 and 26 with me. He says this, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So at some point in Moses' life, being aware of the God of Israel, being aware of his nation of people, being aware that he was part of them, at some point in Moses' life he says, that's it, I'm done with Egypt, I'm actually now going to identify with God's people, I'm over it. Something clicked in his mind and he said, I want to identify with God's people. What did this faith or this belief in God look like in the actions of Moses when this took place? What did he do? He made a huge sacrifice. A huge sacrifice. Think about it. Just think about it for a moment. In the royal family, everything on tap, whatever his heart desired, Moses could have that. He had all the treasures and all the pleasures that Egypt had to offer. But faith began to arise in his heart. And what did he do? He made a sacrifice. He made a sacrifice of financial gain he could have received in Egypt. He turned away from that to instead identify with the people of God and strengthen them in their labours and their persecutions and the challenges they faced. 
If if you're familiar with the story of Moses, one day he went out to visit his people and he saw an Egyptian guard beating one of them up. He actually killed the Egyptian guard and when he did that, he fled like the next day to Midian. Can you imagine when Moses was out there because he'd become just a sheep herder out there, can you imagine when he sat down around the campfire in the, in the Midian desert at that particular time and the other sheep herder said, oh, gee, I haven't seen you before. Who are you? Oh, my name's Moses. Oh, where have you come from? Egypt. Oh, what did you do back in Egypt? I was a prince in the royal family. They're going to say, what? Boy, what are you doing out here? Get back there and get into that pleasures and treasures. Can you imagine the story that was happening there? You're crazy, man. What are you doing here? What are you living like this for? He walked away from all of that. Faith operated in Moses' heart and caused him to make a huge sacrifice as he saw who God was. He believed in God. He believed who God was and then responded with a telling action that's demonstrated what he believed. It wasn't lip service. It wasn't something mental with him. Moses saw something bigger and better in God in comparison to this world. Moses' faith and trust rested in God. There was something beyond here that he could see. And we see that in the very next passage here. Look in verse 27, because faith gives him another vision as well. It says in verse 27 this, By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him him who is invisible. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. It doesn't make sense when you read that, does it? But this is what faith does. It gives you another set of eyes. True, active faith in God enables you to see the invisible. Paul talks about the Ephesians, about opening up the eyes of our heart. Our heart doesn't really have eyes, but yet our heart can see things. What could Moses see here? What Moses could see here was an eternal perspective about God and God's world. And that eternal perspective that Moses had with the eyes of faith gave him crystal clear vision on how to see into this world and the nature of this world and its temporary status. He began to see that his life is nothing but a morning mist that vanishes, as we sung in that song earlier on. You see, when we begin to understand and believe that we are eternal beings created by an eternal God, that faith that God gives to us that we exercise changes everything about life in the here and now. That vision through the faith that God gives to us changes everything on how we live our life. It gave Moses that vision to see the invisible and then to empower him to respond with a faith-filled action. You see, true, true active faith in God in and around Moses' life was demonstrated here by courageous actions courageous actions on behalf of his parents and also Moses sacrificial actions he turned his back on the wealth of this world and the positions of this world and also gave Moses this eternal perspective as well as faith was operating with him Moses truly believed who God was and this changed everything in his life You see, for Moses, God isn't some mental, intellectual knowledge base of facts and data that he just collected there. It wasn't just that. Because Moses did believe who God is without question, and Moses believed what God says without question. 
But then Moses responded with choices through his life that demonstrated exactly who God is, supreme in his life. Faith empowers us to respond. And true faith will be indicated by the responses of our life. As we stop here and just shift gears, we shift to this. Our faith will have a direct impact on how we view the gospel ministry centre here that we're putting forward as Exchange Church. You see, what we believe about God will have a direct impact on how we respond to this vision where we believe God is taking us next here at Exchange Church. It'll have a direct impact. Think about these questions. Do we believe God? Do we believe God's eternity? Do we believe in heaven and hell? Do we believe God saves people? Do we believe God's son Jesus died on a cross to save and rescue us? Do we believe Jesus rose from the grave for the forgiveness of our sins? Do we believe those things? Do we believe that Jesus called us to speak and to live out the gospel to make disciples? Do we believe that? Do we believe Jesus is building his church? Do we believe that? Do we believe that we are his church here at Exchange? Do we believe that? Do we believe that the church is God's vehicle to grow his kingdom here on earth? Do we believe that? Do we believe that Exchange Church is a biblical church amongst many other churches here in Shepparton? Do we believe that? Do we believe that the Gospel Ministry Centre is the next step that we should take to maximise connecting and growing people in Christ? Do we believe that? You see, if we believe that and truly believe that, then we will demonstrate that belief by a response of more than just words. We we assent to all that and we believe all that. We now by faith commit ourselves to seeing that vision become a fulfilment by giving to it. We're putting our money, as it were, where our mouth is, where our mind is. And that's really important. We we respond in faith by a demonstration of generosity and giving because these are the things we believe. That determines how we then live. Now sure, as we think about this Gospel Ministry Centre, it's an ambitious vision. No question about that. We believe it's probably $2 million plus to get land and building. It's ambitious. It's large. But we cannot let that ambitious size of two million dollars plus put us off thinking what is the right thing to do next we can't let that obstacle as it were stop us from beginning to make that next step we need to make a start towards this we need as it were to put a line in the sand to make a start to see gospel ministry maximized here effectively and efficiently by making a start towards a gospel ministry center a permanent home You might be asking the question, have we got anything to show at the moment? And the short answer is nothing more than a vision. Nothing more than we believe is a a God-led idea to begin to start this. We have nothing more than to show that. 
But what we're doing now is the initial fundraising is probably the most important stage of many stages to come. It's where we start. So nothing to show now except we are starting with this initial step of fundraising. And from that, we see what we gather from this campaign and we begin to plan the next step. But be assured, nothing will happen uh, as far as the Gospel Ministry Centre is concerned without any of the exchange church partners already knowing about it and fully endorsing that. The elders and the board will be meeting regularly with the building and land team, but also the Gospel partners will be on board. So we do this together as a body of people, not just one or two people going off and doing things. We do this together as a body. As we think about this and putting our faith to action here, it's also important to see where the Goulburn Valley is going to. Where's the Goulburn Valley going to in the next, say, 10, 15, 20, 50 years? It's a growing region. The population is, is forecast to grow to 50,000 people or so in the next 10 years. So that's like another 25% of population on top of where we are. And if we think about uh, the Goulburn Valley, and particularly Shepparton down the track, perhaps in 50 years' time, Shepparton could be 100,000 people. We can't imagine that. But I know in my lifetime, when I first, my memories of coming to Shepherd was less than 20,000 people. So in my lifetime, it's doubled in population. So what's that mean? It's vital for us to think long-term with the Gospel Ministry Centre. Sure, it serves a purpose here and now, but we've got to think of the generations to come when the, Shepherd and, the city of Shepparton grows to perhaps 100,000 people, the importance of what a permanent home a gospel ministry center will do for the next generations coming something has to be done now because it's not just for us it's for our children and their children as well that's important really important here's another aspect as we think about the gospel ministry center perhaps with questions you may have in your mind we understand everybody is at a different stage of life when it comes to capacity for giving we totally get that. We all be, we've all experienced that. Some of us are at a high expenditure time of life. You may be having a number of kids and you're just moving into the school years. You've got school fees and uniforms and mouths to feed. You've got a whole range of expenses that you've just got to meet. We, we get that. You're probably moving into a high expenditure time of life and you've probably got smaller capacity to give. We totally understand that. But yet there's other people perhaps are moving out of a high expenditure time into a less expenditure time and their capacity to... No worries. Take two on the next microphone. Let me just back up a little bit. I'm not sure where we might have lost that. Okay, we understand everybody's in a different... Five Five minutes. Okay. Sorry, guys. Um, technical breakdowns. We're just going to roll with those little challenges that come along. Uh, I'm going to back up. Sorry if I'm repeating myself, but um, just uh, I'm going to start about here. Have we got anything to show for this at the moment here at Exchange Church? You may be asking that question. What have we got? Nothing. Nothing at this stage. This is the initial fundraising stage of more stages to come. We've got nothing, but we need to make this start. We need to actually start this campaign to put a line in the sand, as it were, to help us plan for the very next step. But be assured of this, nothing will happen at Exchange Church without all the partners being on board. We will keep everybody fully informed. The board, the elders working together with the partners will do this together. Not one or two guys will take off and do their own thing and just sort of run their own race. 
It will be a team, a body of people moving together. It's also really important here to see that the Goulburn Valley is a growing region as we think about our faith-filled response here to the Gospel Ministry Centre. Shepparton, in the next 10 years, is forecast uh, to grow to more than 50,000 people. That's a lot of people. At the moment, it's about 40,000, so it's going to increase by about 25%. In my own lifetime, Shepparton was about 20,000. It's doubled in population now to 40,000. And who knows where we could be 50 years down the track... Shepparton could be 100,000 people. So it's really important for us and vital to think long-term as we think about the Gospel Ministry Centre. Really important for us to think that way. It's essential we think about this thing for the generations to come. It's our children's children that will benefit from this. That We need to make that start now and think long-term and strategic here with that vision. Hey, We also understand this as we think about a faith-filled promise as well. People are going through different seasons financially. We understand that we know that some people are at a high expenditure time of life with many kids heading off to school and school uniforms and school fees and more mouths to feed and lunches to make every day for all those kids. Expenses are going up, so your capacity to give would be somewhat reduced at that time. We know that. We get that. But we also know some people are coming out of a high expenditure time to a less expenditure time and their their capacity to give is increased somewhat. We understand that people are at different stages of life. We really do. We're just praying and asking that you will ask the Lord prayerfully and conversations between husbands and wives and with parents, with their children as well. What can we do? Can we just stretch ourselves a little here to give towards the Gospel Ministry Centre? You might be thinking, I've got nothing to give. I'd encourage you, please give something. Even if it's small. Because whatever sacrifice you'll make now, I'll assure you, you'll have no regrets about it. You'll feel great about partnering with us with whatever you can do. Please, please do that. You see, this giving requires faith like Moses. It really does. It, It requires courage. It requires sacrifice. It requires an eternal perspective of who God is. That's a faith-filled response. Uh, we were be, to be taking donations and pledges now as well, and Hannah, you could bring that uh, slide up for us. You'll see on there it says pledge. You might be asking, what does pledge mean? Uh, a pledge is the promised amount of money, uh, is the promised amount when the money is required. So EC, Exchange Church, has a pledge value now, and you'll give that money to us when it's required. We are totally okay with that because you might say, I've got that money doing something in an investment somewhere or whatever, and I want to give that to the church. How about I leave it earning some more interest or whatever? And when it's required, you'll be able to give that to the church. We will love that. So a pledge is um, given to us maybe a year's down the track or whenever. I don't know when that timeline will be, but we'll give you plenty of time when that pledge is required. For donations, we'll take them straight away. Now, you might think, well, where do I donate to? Where do I give this? Because I'm sold out for this vision. I want to go here and I want to give what I can. If you go to the website, on our website, you'll see there a tab there on the giving page. Click on that tab tab, and you'll see there uh, the Gospel Ministry Centre just dropped down. You go there and you'll see all the separate bank account details for the Gospel Ministry Centre. And let me assure you of this as well. 
every cent that is placed into that account will be exactly for the gospel ministry centre. We will not be coming back to rob that any money out of the account to do anything else. Everything that goes into the account will be directed towards a gospel ministry centre. Please also, this is really important as well, of these gifts, of these pledges, of these donations towards the gospel ministry centre, they are separate from your regular giving to exchange. We cannot have people substituting their regular giving for uh, gift giving towards the gospel ministry centre. Because if we did that, we would actually choke gospel ministry here at Exchange Church. We can't have our regular giving substituted for that. That would be a backwards step. So we are asking in faith that this is separate to your regular giving. We're convinced, uh, brothers and sisters, we're convinced, friends, that the Gospel Ministry Centre is the next step for Jesus Christ to be glorified here in Exchange Church in this uh, city of Shepparton. We, we know it's ambitious. It's a big vision. We know it requires much faith and demonstrated here through God, in God through sacrificial giving. We, we, we get that. Let me just close here with a really short story of someone else who embarked on a very ambitious uh, vision many years ago. Uh, in 1792, William Carey put the idea of gospel mission to India to the Baptist Church in England. And, and many at that time said, uh, this is impossible, we can't do this. this. This is unheard of. This is just too big a thing for us to contemplate. Uh, William Carey, with this vision at that particular time, preached a sermon to the London Missionary Society to launch this very first step of his God-given vision. And he titled that sermon there this, Expect Great Things from God and Attempt Great Things from God. Expect Great Things from God and Attempt Great Things for God. William Carey's labour and vision in Christ went on to be the forerunner of the modern mission movement as we know it today. Ambitious, too big, we can't do this. But he expected great things for God and attempted great things for God. And look what God did with that faith-filled response. Grew the modern mission movement that has just blossomed all around the world to see God's kingdom grow. Exchange Church, let's let faith arise in our hearts. Let's expect great things from God. And let's attempt great things for God. Let me pray. Father, we thank you and praise you today that we can come and uh, again open up your word, particularly Hebrews chapter 11, and we see this faith operating in people's hearts and lives. Faith that is not dead. Faith that is true. Faith that is real. Faith that is demonstrated by a response by a life action. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just stir within our hearts right now. Within our hearts over these next few days and weeks, as people have conversations, as people uh, pray, as people think about what you've given to us, what we can now invest back into the kingdom, to see us take this next step, Lord, an ambitious vision, but Lord, we understand and we know that it's a vision that's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about his glory. It's all about lifting up his name, doing this effectively and doing this efficiently, Lord. 
doing this for the generations to come, Father. It's not about our name. It's not about the name of Exchange Church. It's about the name of Jesus Christ. Open up the eyes of our heart, I pray. And Lord, let it not just sit here and now in the heat of the moment. Let the conviction rest in our hearts. And I pray, Holy Spirit, move us to action. Move us to demonstrate this faith with real-time action. God, we thank you for the blessing that you give to us in your presence. And we thank you, God, that there are no regrets in giving to you. There are no regrets in giving to you. It's a blessing, Lord, to know that we can be a part of the kingdom that you've given to us to play a part in. Heavenly Father, we ask and we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. We're going to hand back to the singers now. Uh, If you have any questions today about today's talk or about the Gospel Ministry Centre or anything at all, please uh, contact me. I would love to catch up with you. Thank you. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person. So consider yourself invited to be with us.